Welcome back to Pop Cannon. This is episode 66. We are your hosts. My name is Jordan. I'm Robert. And I'm Joe. Guys, today we are discussing the newest Marvel film, The Eternals. It's just Eternals, not the just Eternals. (laughs) The newest Marvel film, Eternals. The Eternals is giving the Marvel Cinematic Universe a creation myth in the most fucking bonkers way that you could. And the Eternals themselves are a group that was placed on Earth by Celestials in the Stone Age to fight the Deviants, uh, which are, we will discuss later, but they're creepy monsters that want to kill all humans for some reason that we will find out. Um, they were placed there by the Celestials, who, if you have been watching, you would recognize from Guardians of the Galaxy. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And the Celestials are gods, not like Thor's a god, like actual gods <laughs> that create galaxies and planets and life. And the Eternals, as they are called, came here in the Stone Age, and then they were here for 7,000 years until something happens. <laughs> some things happen throughout the course of 7,000 years obviously Um, so we're going to start at the beginning and we're going to get you through all 7,000 years one by one there's a little boy with a stone knife Um, so yeah the scope of this film is massive Mm -hmm. which it literally is this is the furthest that we've ever peered behind the curtain Within the MCU and the structure of it, I feel like. And that, to me, is really exciting and really interesting. The Celestials came off as these larger-than-life beings and, like, this legitimate imposing force. It's so cool to me. As far as the characters of the Eternals, it was cool, I don't necessarily know if the movie's anywhere in my top 20 films of the 26. (laughs) I don't know. I got to think about it some more. (laughs) Joe's very upset that I said that. I'm just very (laughs) surprised. Like, I can't imagine. We get, like, really hung up on rankings, but, like, I can't imagine putting this that low. Like, it's just such, like, a wild concept And then, like, the more I think about it, like, the actual climax of it is so, like, cartoony and weird. Like, if I say it out loud, it sounds so dumb, like, worse than Ultron making a meteor to crash into the (laughs) Earth. But the way that, like, by the end of that movie, like, I was just sold on it. I Like, everything in this movie felt justified to me. Um, And, like, I loved these characters i thought they felt very genuine for how ridiculous of a concept they are and i think that's always like the first most hurdle of any marvel property is like how are we going to like put this on screen and have people care about it like connect with this when it's like not an actual cartoon and i really think that marvel and chloe Zhao really did do it so uh this is definitely a lot higher than 20 for me um i'm not sure where i put it but and especially for like every movie since endgame like a talking point for me has been 
what is going on in the universe next. And Mm -hmm. I think every film has had a different answer for that. I don't think any of these have really built off of the last one so much. It's really just like everything's going in a different direction. Um, Yeah. Which who knows, it might all come crashing back together. If anything would draw it all back together, I think it would be something as big as this movie, but I guess we'll see. So I liked a lot of this movie, but I didn't love this movie and I didn't think that it was great. As far as rankings go, I'd probably put it in that 15 to 20 area, but it definitely would not hit my top 10. And it's certainly nowhere near the top five. But yeah, I just uh, some of the characters I really liked and really connected with and really enjoyed their arc in the film. And some of them in the third act made me really mad and I didn't understand why certain people were acting the way that they acted. And Mm -hmm. I did not like how every character seemingly stabbed another one in the back and then they were just fucking cool. Like the next second, um, that (laughs) kind of shit, like really fucking bugged me. Um, and the action was like cool for what we got of it. Um, there wasn't a lot. There was some really big pieces that I thought were cool. But yeah, it was a lot more talking than I think Marvel movies are used to doing. And I think that was probably by design because this went for a much more emotional tone than I think a lot of them try to do. And yeah, uh, you mentioned the deviants earlier. Um, They were a thing in the movie that got weirder inexplicably. And then... (laughs) Uh, and then didn't matter you know yeah (laughs) that irked me because it felt like that character that was evolving just didn't matter (laughs) like what was his motivation even because he showed up in the third act and he's fighting the eternals which makes sense right but then all of a sudden he's fighting the eternal who's fighting them and i don't necessarily know what's happening at that point also, it, it was Bill Skarsgård, by the way. Yeah. I no, oh, I saw his name in the fucking credits and I went. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I, it took me a second to put it together, which is cool. Yeah. But, I literally went, wait, when? <laughs> but like they could have done so much more with that character and make make him mean something. And I feel like that's part of my issue with the entire film is it tried focusing on so many different things and tried being so many different types of like movies mm-hmm. that it suffered because it was trying to do too much instead of focusing on areas where it should have. So with the deviants, I definitely agree. I feel like it was very anticlimactic when Thena just <laughs> immediately sliced him and he died. That whole like cave scene was kind of a reference to in the most recent run, Thena has like a relationship with a deviant. Um, oh. So like, part of me wonders, especially with it being Bill Skarsgård, if like maybe he's like not dead, but like for the purposes of this movie, he is. And like that was very strange. Um, all the deviants purpose when he says basically we're the same. Mm-hmm. You know, I was the first child cast away and you were just here to clean, clean up after their mistake granted but like because he's already killed two of their family he can't you know they can't resolve and team up in the final battle (laughs) so 
it really just ended up having to be that because he was just so far gone in Dude, his philosophy. It, like I got I like I got the the fact that he was absorbing their power and evolving. Yeah. But what I did not expect was him to just start fucking talking <laughs> <laughs> like a person. I was immediately uncomfortable when he started speaking and standing on two legs and he looked like a man with six eyes. I was like, get that thing the fuck out of here. Like, immediately. isn't that isn't that effective, though? But that he's but, so monstrous. And like, that's the thing of the deviants. Like, they're these monstrous things, but they're alive. It was the opposite way. It was the other side of the coin with it. It wasn't the effective part of it. It was Just, this is so fucking out of left field. Why is this here? OK. It made sense to me that he would absorb the powers, but like it almost confused me because it felt like, wait, is that supposed to be Salma Hayek's character? Like, that's what I was thinking at one point. I think they also want you to think that because there's kind of that mystery element to the whole thing, too. Um, I don't have as much of an issue with it because so much of the deviant story is about evolution. Yeah. Yeah that like they evolved to eventually like try to become the apex predator instead of ensure that humans would be the apex predator Um, i I just felt like i i was not prepared for him to be gain sentience and uh essentially become like a little a little like weird mini ultron for like five minutes before he gets sliced and diced which was just like he's like expounding on the human condition and i was like can we just slow down? <laughs> well, they te- they tease ever since like when you first see him after he's already absorbed Ajax that mm-hmm. like he's not the same as the other demons. Right, right, like right. he's got something else. And even like even though he like gave the other ones like shared that power, it's not really implied that any of them have the same level of intelligence that he got. That he does, right. Yeah. Which I think that celestial power is very important. Yeah. Yeah, because it's just. That's like in the comics, like cosmic energy, basically. And like there's so there's so much left unexplained in the MCU this many films in about how certain people use and draw power and where it comes from, specifically like Scarlet Witch for example, but I think that they're going to start leaning into that as we push further into where we're going with her. Yeah. Um, But for a while, it was just completely unexplained. See, it's interesting that you bring up Scarlet Witch because within WandaVision, they mention how the witch could, like, create matter. And in this, we have a character, Cersei. She can't create matter, but she could, like, change it. Yeah. So I thought that was a very interesting and compelling power to have. And I really think that uh, Gemma Chan did a really fantastic job portraying this character because I really liked her. Um, I wish she had more to do, actually. But that's the problem with having a movie with this many characters and trying to juggle it. Uh, What did you guys think about Cersei? You don't have to juggle them. Just let them stand on the beach facing the camera f- twice. Uh, it's the team shot. <laughs> like, that's what you twice? do in a team movie. Two of yeah. them? 
and nothing happens. Watch any just... fucking Avengers movie. There's two team shots. Yeah, but they're all preparing to fight. The fucking Eternals finish beating the shit out of everyone and then do the team pose and like what? So do the like Avengers. The Power Rangers. <laughs> That happened in uh, Justice the end League of Avengers, as well. Yeah, and the end of they Avengers One, they're they pointing saved. at Loki. Yeah, the Eternals finish fighting at the gates of Babylon, turn away from them, and all stand like this. Yeah, as the camera pulls away, it was just <laughs> banana pants that it happened that way. I felt like because there's no <laughs> other reason why they would fucking do that other than to stand and look at the camera. Anyway. Um, so, so but, Cersei's power is really cool. It looked really cool on screen, even though, like, initially I wasn't 100% sure what she was doing. She was liquefying solids. She's like an alchemist, basically. She okay. yeah. changes one thing into another. Um, okay. but before yeah. she got that celestial orb, she couldn't do it to sentient beings. Oh, and that, okay. that was why that when, makes she turned, sense. when she turned okay. the deviant into that fucked up tree, which was like crazy body horror. That's why she and everyone yeah. was freaking out. They're like, how'd you do that? And she says, I don't fucking know. OK, but, so that was for me super underdeveloped and explained. No, because yeah, Dane, Dane says to her, could you turn me into a giraffe? Yeah, yeah. No, I understand that she said that she couldn't do it before. But what I'm saying is there was never a moment where they were like, due to her getting this, that's why she can do it now. So her just saying, I don't know, led me to believe that she was like, did she always have that ability? Like Scarlet Witch in the sense that she like that's the only thing that changed. I just thought that orb was the was the only way that she could communicate with the Celestials. That's what I thought that orb was. And that's yeah. it. Yeah, no, I agree. that was never communicated clearly that there, there was like more to that I don't with know. the Celestials. I, I understood. <laughs> for, for me, she was one of my least favorite characters in the film. Really? I just I felt like she did more silent medium shots where nothing was happening, but you were just looking at her and I'm, you're supposed to assume what she's feeling or something because nothing's being said. There were so many of her just not doing anything where you're supposed to get the emotion of the moment. And I just See, felt I don't like it think wasn't that tra- there was I that like many. It. I didn't like it and I didn't translate for me at all. And I just kept going, why the fuck do we keep doing this? It, it like by the time it happened, like the, the third time I was like, OK, I guess she's the emotional anchor of this film and I missed it somewhere. Like I just completely fucking was backwards on that character for me. I didn't like her much at all. And then, and then like at the end where she's supposed to save her, like she just kept saying, I don't know. And I'm like, how fucking heroic. Thank God you're here. Jesus. There's only That's one there's the only point one. of her, though, because she's not Icarus. That's she's, why there's only she was one chosen. character that handles their fucking power worse. But I'll, I will get to that guy when we get there. <laughs> well, let's just go there now. OK, fine. Yeah. Uh, how the fuck like uh, Kingo leaving and not being part of the, the end battle for me was just like such a fucking kick in the nuts. Yeah, it was weird. That made it no was sense weird for him to, to leave. Was he not available for the shoot and they had to write it into the fucking movie? I think it might have just been he chose not to go. That's so weird, dude. That's not a choice when you're a fucking the, hero at that level. But you think about it, it's his family. 
he's being asked to like choose between people that he loves and he can't make that decision. He took his ball and went home and there's no <laughs> respect in that. <laughs> yeah, I didn't like that because it just felt very uncharacteristic because essentially if he does nothing, the planet's going to explode and die anyway. And he's like, well, I'm just going to hang out here. And then he doesn't do anything. And then he shows up at the end. Once they tagged him back at the end, I was like, why are they cool with him being there now? Yeah. Are you kidding? That's not a conversation to have. Cause hey, he, bud, thanks for dropping the ball on that one. <laughs> Definitely didn't need your fucking finger guns ever, I guess. Don't expect the phone to ring. I think it's just because they're a family. I think you're just supposed to understand that, like, he couldn't possibly make that choice. And, like, I'm sure they were frustrated, but I think they had that to just, respect it in the end. It's the same as, like, they why they accepted Sprite back at the end. Yeah, again, didn't make sense to me, but... <laughs> Yeah, I didn't like Sprite <laughs> at really? all, dude, at all. I felt like really? Sprite killed that villain arc for Icarus for me. Yeah, really just soured it because the entire motivation for her character was because she like was in love with him. Yeah, I think that's a really interesting exploration of an immortal character who's trapped in a child's body. And then it was a funny cop out at the end to turn her human just so you could keep the actress around. But. <laughs> yeah, I thought about that. And that was another question that I had. I was like watching the film thinking to myself, well, how are they going to explain her aging? Because like the others, you could kind of get away with it. But her, you're going to know. And like to the family thing, I didn't like how easily they all decided that they would stab each other in the back like constantly. Yeah. Like there was near constant double crossing among the entire group. <laughs> yeah. Like, so, dude, what the fuck is happening? And then they're all like lovey dovey and shit. You can't introduce eight characters at the same time and then try to get me to understand their complex relationships and then fuck those relationships over at the same time. It's a lot of information to try to process in the course of like also having all of this shit thrown at you but that's what families do <laughs> like i especially love druig's role because like druig in the comics is like always the bad guy um hmm. and they definitely wanted you to believe that like he was going to be the bad guy here um and even in the end like they still don't like druig but like they keep him around because he's an eternal like he, he's their weird so, uncle i liked but druig yeah i enjoyed druig I, I didn't you know I don't think I mean, you're supposed to like I feel <laughs> like I feel like you almost didn't even need that character in the fucking movie. <laughs> Why? I I mean, aside from the initial, oh, is he the bad guy kind of thing that they had going on? I don't know that he like affected so much other than lending his power at the end as well. I think he added to that moral conversation about what their role should be on Earth. I think he's yeah. a good foil to Icarus's like golden boy persona. That like that's why it's like also satisfying that Icarus ends up being the true antagonist. I immediately knew that it was Icarus. Like immediately he showed up and his the way his body language was and the way he said it was deviance. I was like, oh, so it was it was him. (laughs) It was you like (laughs) so the entire time I'm just waiting waiting for that shoe to for drop. that yeah. yeah so and that could be why i didn't like i didn't think that druig 
was ever the bad guy. Like that thought didn't even cross my mind. Hmm. So it brings up that morality thing where like if he just controls them, which I feel like that's an overall theme of this MCU phase you know, is like control and people's influence on control over others. Free well, was even a theme of Winter Soldier. So, yeah. So That's like true. that feel, but it feels so prevalent now. Yeah. I will say, though, like by the time we get to the action sequence in the Amazon, like I was so desperate for that to happen. It was like walking without water for a really long time and then finally getting just like a little bit. You're just like, oh, thank fucking Christ. They're going to fight something. Oh, oh, it's going to be so great. And that scene was really good. It That's probably cool my favorite sequence of the whole film is is the Amazon fight. My only issue with it is like how kind of like poorly lit it was, which like it was so dark. It worked really yeah. well when Icarus was fighting with his lasers yeah. and everything. But every other shot of it was like pretty dull in a movie that like otherwise i thought looked really great yeah um it was shot beautifully and it was so colorful in a lot of the scenes yeah yeah well marvel gets a lot of flack for the way it like colors and lights its movies and i don't think this didn't look like it fit into the rest of the universe but i thought that they put a lot more care into how they presented it Mm. Um, so it looked really good while still fitting in with the rest of the movies so I hope that kind of like sets a little bit of a bar for other films going forward but and one of those one of those beautifully done shots was like right at the end where Cersei and and Dane were in that like big field that it was just so wide and sprawling and massive and you could see like super super far into the distance and it works doubly well to then use that sky as the canvas to Dude. put the celestial looming from out in space. And Which I, I, I will uh, live action what this was, <laughs> that's so much more effective um, than when you see it in What If with the Watcher yeah, and what It looks like well, the telezombie tele- stuff. <laughs> that was fucking. When his when the celestial's face comes up, I was just like, just like, (laughs) I literally sat back like, yeah, because it was just so imposing. Uh, That was super fucking cool. Yeah, the celestials and the way that they presented them, like, including like Aratium, I guess, was that like prime celestial, like Mm. so cool. The design, the look the voice like mm-hmm. the sounds that the they just made good. it's such an imposing force like mm-hmm. you know that these gods are here to fuck some shit up <laughs> if they wanted to <laughs> yeah. if they wanted to Irishim being there was super fucked up and then the other <laughs> fucked up crazy thing is that the entire conflict of this is that a celestial seed had been planted in the earth yeah <laughs> and it's now Hatching. <laughs> Where do you think we got Mother Earth, Joe? Okay. Yeah. Um, which is actually a story from Earth X, which is a wild, like, dystopian alt universe that, like, I can't believe they actually, like, went with. But anyway, the egg is hatching and they have to stop it. Yeah. Cause, like, having to explain this, the plot of the film, you have to include that. 
Yeah. Because when you explain that part of the story, it really informs the rest of it. But not knowing it going in and definitely not knowing it for at least the first half of this and then getting that, you're just like, nothing else matters. And now that's just there. <laughs> that's what I mean. When I said earlier, yeah. the movie's trying to do too much yeah. is it. Sh- it really was trying to do too much. Yeah. And the celestial stuff, I feel like could have been the, the post credits and yeah. no, like that could have been like the post credits and have like a second film be, uh, there's a celestial in the earth. In the earth. Yeah. Okay. I get what you mean. I, get I think mean. if it wasn't for that climax, I don't think that would have been enough for me. Yeah. Without it, without it, in like this if they movie, just told us like, yeah. Oh, this is the truth, and this is why we're here. And then they didn't do that. But I think maybe what Jordan's saying is make the deviants mean something else or more. Yes. So mm. that it, so that way you get more to yeah. this plot. I'm not saying remove that entirely because right, right. if you remove that entirely from this movie, it does it's, not yeah. work <laughs> at all. It's dead. Yeah. But what I'm saying is, Set, had they yeah. have written it differently, use that and, as the hook for the next one. Yeah. I got you. Um. Yeah. Anyway. So back to celestial. the Earth is now impregnated with a celestial. Yeah, that, that's such a crazy, crazy fucking story. And then, like, when you see it coming out of the ocean, like you see those several rocks in a in a specific formation. I'm like, all right, it's definitely his hand, right? Yeah. And then you see the head because they all have the same like six eye thing going on, and you're like. Wow, that's gigantic. But for me, all of this talk about celestials means nothing until I see fucking Galactus. So uh, (laughs) I was hoping that one of them would name drop again or uh, I'm I'm begging for it. I'm begging for it now. That's the thing, though. So one like Arishim's last thing that he says is that he's going to read their memories and then come back for judgment. But then if they're going to draw more from Earth X... Galactus is actually the one that comes and removes the celestial from Earth. But then <laughs> the absence of the celestial then throws the Earth off balance. And it's like almost like apocalyptic at that point, which like that celestial got like half out of the ground. Did it leave like a vacuum where it moved from? Like, <laughs> what are the consequences of this now? Because <laughs> he got pretty far yeah. out. <laughs> yeah. 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 And and it almost makes me wonder, like, is he still in there like all the way? Right. Like, I think is, he was completely are they gonna changed. Make, oh, I was going to say, are they going to make that? Galactus. That's what I was thinking. Like they go ahead and zod it from Man of Steel. I wouldn't like, like that because Galactus isn't really a celestial. When um, they when they said his name, what, what was the one that's Tiamat? Tiamat. At once they, I was so hopeful that it was going <laughs> to be something <laughs> that when they said his name like once, I was like, well, maybe they'll change it. I don't know. And then I'm either thinking like. Galactus is among the group with Arisham or a character that's in antithesis to Arisham or something like that. Like, I want to know when he's coming. I know he's coming. And every time we talk about space and celestials and I don't hear the word Galactus, I become disappointed and frustrated. Well, the thing, another thing of Earth X is that Galactus doesn't just hunger like he's the natural 
and predator of the celestials. So he oh, he shit. eats he eats worlds that have been seeded by the celestials. So that's cool as fuck. I like that I wonder sense. now that like Tiamat's gone, I don't know that that gives Galactus a reason to come to Earth unless they go with like the kind of new Ultimates run <laughs> where like maybe Galactus is a villain in like a Guardians movie or something like that or in like Annihilation or something. But then they team up with him kind of or direct <laughs> him at the Celestials. <laughs> maybe. Imagine a whole film of just Celestials. <laughs> so the editing to me was jarring in parts, mm-hmm. especially in the beginning. Yes. And then not even just transitionally, because that was bad to me, mm, going from mm. scene to scene. Hard cuts, dude. Really messed with me. There's a scene at the beginning. I think it's Cersei and, and maybe it's Icarus. And there yeah, are it's right like, in the beginning. That's right like when they six fucking back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. And then they're on one side of the room. And the next cut is the two of them standing next to each other, looking out the gigantic window. And I was like what the fuck just happened dude like why did you cut that many times and then jump cut them up again like we didn't see them move they were over on this side and then they suddenly are all the way over at the window and i was like this is where we're gonna save the time after seeing the movie i'm like that's where we saved the time we couldn't have them walk three steps to a fucking window but we left the rest of that (laughs) shit in there (laughs) but yeah the editing bothered me throughout uh, for most of it, except I think in most of the quiet stuff, and I didn't have an issue really with how they did the action scenes. It was definitely that big beginning portion that was fucking just weird for no reason. <laughs> and I think it's just because of the way that they experienced time, maybe. It could be like a memory that they were cutting to, but it wasn't clear. They didn't establish that, you know? No. <laughs> I was able to follow. No, because that's it. I a, felt pretty you, good it, about it. You see it. You see it differently. I, I will say you know the I mean? only thing, the like second I think flashback, um, that was pretty disorienting for me. I think like at other times, kind of like how you felt with the um, the action sequence coming up. Like I think they like naturally like reached a point where it's like, and now we can cut to like a backstory Back thing. Yeah. But like the Babylon yeah. one was like. I'm kind of into what's going on in the present right now, but we're going to go back to this. So that was that. And that was the only one that I really felt disoriented by. Um, But otherwise, I didn't have any issue with the editing. I didn't necessarily like having a character die and having everybody be super emotional about it and then having her in the next scene, like alive and talking because it's a flashback. And I was just like, that really dampers <laughs> the feeling that I have about but I, I appreciated it because it allowed you to get deeper into who she was and what she knew so like you needed it but just like killing her off and having everybody weep for a really long time and I feel like going, all right well here she is I think it's an interesting flip of the script to have her death be the inciting incident basically but mm. then we get to know who she is and like we understand why they're mourning by the end i feel like it's definitely like a break of form in some way but i liked the way that they did it so i didn't have an issue with that 
So I I think it's okay to break some rules if you do it the right way. And in my opinion, mm-hmm. they did it the right yeah. way. No, and 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 it's not it's not necessarily a complaint. Like overall, after the fact, I was like, okay, no, it was effective, but just in the moment of watching everyone cry for 15 minutes about her being dead and then like jump cut to she's standing there on the porch and you're like, okay, because <laughs> you don't know in, necessarily what the rules are. And I was surprised because they're not really eternal. Like in the comics, there's the machine that like they resurrect if they die. So like they are eternal, like they can't die oh, like okay. the the plot line hmm. of the like the kieran gillen run was like the first arc is that the machine is broken and somebody's oh, killing shit. them so like somebody sabotaged the machine and is now killing them and they can't come back right right um which is like an interesting yeah. plot line but like i do i do agree that it is weird in a film called the eternals and in characters called the eternals how many die <laughs> <laughs> Little, that is weird. To kill off Gilgamesh was just like, dude, what the fuck, man? Gilgamesh like, was so upset. He was a good fucking dude. What he <laughs> did was be the, you know, the heart of the movie. So you had to take him away. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I really enjoyed like his and Thena's relationship. Mm-hmm. I liked mm-hmm. that they were friends. I wish they were more, but I'm I glad that they were like. I appreciate that it was platonic. I fucking appreciate that because it doesn't just have to be out of romantic love. Yeah. 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 I agree. But like they had a chemistry. They did. That was very nice. And I enjoyed that. And as soon as they killed him off, I I wish there was more than just her. Oh, dude. Cutting him in half to get revenge or something. One of the characters in this movie, I don't know, that was handled well at all i really don't i enjoyed her when she was in her action scenes but mm. like the 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 being the anchor to everything because oh she's gonna turn bad and fight us now was just like that annoyed the shit out of me it really did like how does she have a fucking programming malfunction she was created by a god like can we just like get her rebooted or something like that like why <laughs> the fuck does she keep trying to kill them it's so annoying i i liked that about her i liked that she had what they called mad weary right mm-hmm. um yeah it it added an element to her character that was fun because but i wanted to see her fight because that's what she sold on doing and then but she did she she did she was like a scared fucking in the and i was just like dude whatever Whatever." (laughs) it it really fucking annoyed me so bad because it was like i get doing it maybe once but then like having it be a constant fucking thing was just like oh jesus of any of them, she's the one you would least want to have that issue. Um, yeah. And I do think it makes it all the more satisfying when she gets to fight Icarus in the end. I which like I it was super it was super tropey and obvious that that was going to ha- like that. She went through what she went through. And they're going to have to figure that out also while they're dealing with the other hijinks like that. Just but that that goes to show like i think they just tried to do too much they tried to do that trope they tried to do so many things that if they just focused on a couple i feel like this movie would have been a lot better yeah and probably in a lot more people's like top 10 even Mm -hmm. 
I liked it. Don't get me yeah. wrong. I had a really good time just like watching it. But like there were aspects of it, like the plot taking forever to get to going. Go? Oh, my God. Because it wasn't until they made it to Fastos. Mm-hmm. It wasn't until they made it to him that like anything actually started to get going. And that was so deep into the film. Like there was a point where in in between the Amazon fight and Faustos, I was literally I literally like pulled my phone and looked at the time and been like, I've only been here an hour. Like, holy yeah. shit, dude. Like It really started to feel long at that point. But speaking of him, dude, he was a great character. I oh, yeah. mean, it, it's the reason this movie's getting fucking review bombed by a bunch of idiots that don't know any better. So we might as well just mention it in passing. He's gay. Big, big fucking deal. Anyway, uh, I had way more of an issue of the sex scene between Icarus and fucking <laughs> Cersei than I had with him having a family. So, <laughs> <laughs> Because that was so fucking out of left field and so bonkers in the middle of that movie to have the two of those characters have shirts off missionary sex in a PG-13 film like that. Uh, yeah. So weird. Yeah. To some extent it was awkward, but I think that's just because we have kind of a bad relationship with sex. But I think sex is also a very human thing. Like, I mean, it's an animal instinct, but I, like humans make it something more, even. I guess. Right. But it's Cersei is in love with humanity and I think like the entire movie and all of the characters arcs is about humanity and it's about connecting with humanity on every level like Kingo is connected with their dreams and their stories and their fantasies Fastos had his like faith in humanity crushed and then he found it again just by falling in love and having a family again Um, Icarus is an asshole (laughs) from the jump dude from the jump that begs the question is Icarus learning how to have sex from Cersei as they have sex yeah maybe or has he been (laughs) laying pipe for 5,000 years maybe they don't Uh, even have sex organs maybe they're just (laughs) hugging (laughs) they were they were naked hugging in that in that meadow that was nice yeah, but I, I was, was kind of sitting there thinking, like, what, like, what age would my kid be that I'd bring them to see this? Which, like, I guess, like, thirteen, right? I'd probably be like, yeah, it's fine. Like, yeah, I, by that point, I because you could do what my dad used videos. to do and just be like, they're hugging. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you could do what my sister did during Titanic and tell me to leave, and then not tell me that the scene was over, and then I sat in the dining room for an hour. <laughs> nice. So you just think that that movie ended. Yeah, they just go to the garage and then the the boat gets there. But yeah, so awkward sex scene. (laughs) Didn't like the sex scene just felt very unnecessary to me because if you're trying to convey the message that these two characters are in love, I think that wedding scene between the two of them (laughs) was good enough. You guys are prude. It's fine. (laughs) It felt unnecessary for this. Yeah, and a lot of this movie I think could could have been cut out. Even when she even when Cersei does her um, her reminiscing, she thinks about their relationship over the course of all those years. And she sees all of the scenes in a in a montage really quick that they had gone through together. 
I don't even think that the gratuitous, unnecessary sex scene was even included in her look back at all of the important moments that they had. <laughs> so even she thinks it wasn't that good. And that speaks a little bit to Icarus's uh, work. And maybe that's why, in the end, he decided to just fly into the fucking sun because... If he's never going to be able to satisfy her for the rest of eternity, he might as well just kill himself. <laughs> and that is my thesis. Um, <laughs> okay. And that's Robert's review of the Eternals sex scene. <laughs> I will also say, like, I don't think we touched on we touched on how we were frustrated with Kingo in the finale, but like the rest of the film, I really loved him. Like, Oh, Kamala yes. and Johnny being like the, the humor of this film. Yes. Like he hit, I mean, he's a great comedian, but like his timing was so perfect. Yeah. He, he was so desperately needed in this movie. <laughs> I, and like when they announced the casting of him, it wasn't necessarily like question marks, but it was like, what's he going to do? You know, and basically yeah. it was save the first two thirds of this film from itself <laughs> because he's he's funny, although at the beginning, some of the timing didn't hit like they played music over him saying something or a couple of things happened weird where his jokes weren't able to land. But it wasn't his fault. Um, it was more like what else was happening while he was also talking. It was strange. There's at least one in a room full of them where he says something that's actually humorous, but it doesn't even allow it to happen. The moment doesn't even. Is it straight up him off screen? Because there's a moment where he yeah. makes a joke about the Kindle and how yes. you can't explain what it is unless you know what an iPad is, which I thought was actually funny, but it was clearly like he's in a voiceover booth reading this joke yeah. because he's not even on screen for it. Yeah. And then it's just focused on Cersei and... Uh, no, it was focused on Druig and Icarus doing the Twinkie and the tablet thing. Yeah. That's what it was. Which, like, yeah. I thought that was a little bit funny. But, like, that joke was great, but the timing of it and the placement of it was like was a bad. little off. Yeah. And some of the jokes to me came off as very irritating and hollow. And we need a joke here because it's, we're dragging <laughs> through this and we need the crowd to emotionally react to something that they're seeing. So throw a joke in there. <laughs> yeah. And Punch then the um, uh, <laughs> to um, pair him with uh Karoon, dude, that dude, <laughs> dude, amazing. He was like one of my favorite characters, if not my favorite. Yeah, I was dying, dude. He was. Oh, so I'm funny. his valet, dude. Like <laughs> hilarious. They make him heartfelt by the end too. Yeah. yeah, yeah. That's that. Like he was a character that I believed wholeheartedly. That's he's like, oh, why don't you go home? And he's like, what am I going to do? Watch TV? Yeah. <laughs> like genuine character. Yeah. heartfelt he was like the the human anchor we were along for the ride with him and kid harrington yeah no i liked him a lot and i thought he was fucking hilarious and then like yeah um it gave kingo who's cracking jokes that don't know that offset the seriousness of it it gave him also a a, a reference point or an anchor point to like the part of the humanity that he loves so much now yeah, you know I mean, like that guy is really the physical embodiment of all of the things that he loves about humanity, basically. Um, yeah. 
But then Kingo's like introduction with the whole Bollywood number and all of that shit. Like I thought that that was super cool, even though it was really long and didn't do anything for the rest of the film. We haven't talked about uh, Makari yet. Because mm. she's in the movie sometimes. And yeah, she's she probably is. the most underused character. But I do think I liked her when she was there. She's so underused. And I did like her when she was there. And I wanted more of her. Makari was I really liked when they actually explained her deafness and then like how her power relates to it and that she can hear the vibrations of people's voices and shit like that. So even if she's not looking at you, she knows that you're talking mm-hmm. like yeah, she that, could like sense I, it. I thought that that was really cool. And I like that they leaned into it rather than not mention that she's deaf at all because it seemed like they could have just not even fucking talked about it. But I like that there was like at least a scene that gave some shine to it in some way, you know, not of them. A lot of them really care that much about like keeping a secret besides like Cersei, like wants to hide it from like her students and mm. from Dane mm. and everything. Everybody else is just like, I mean, yeah, yeah. I fly and shoot <laughs> lasers out of my eyes. Speaking of not caring, and then I said, lasers out of your eyes. Uh, how did you guys feel about the, the near DC endless references. DC references in this movie? <laughs> uh, I, there were only two, but it's see, that's like a mountain it's, in a Marvel film. It irritated me in the moment. But then, really? yeah, yeah, because it just felt very unnatural and it pulled me out of the movie immediately mm-hmm. for some reason. I, like, I don't know why. Are they talking why. about Clark Kent? What the fuck? I think the Superman thing invited itself um, because yeah. now those characters exist in the MCU. <laughs> yeah, as characters. But like they didn't have to ever mention them and nobody. The only people that would have said anything about Superman would have been people in Internet comment rooms and not anyone on screen because they wouldn't have existed but now they exist now batman's a thing and he has alfred at, like so it's our batman and superman and yeah. i think that that's just weird to invite into their canon that they're doing it in the same way that like batman uses zorro they're like establishing a baseline that like these characters have inspired popular culture throughout all of time yeah in a universe where actual captain america and actual iron man fought in downtown new york city against aliens and we know that there's merch that exists inside the mcu for those characters because people have shirts and toys and masks and the whatnot uh that somebody in the marvel universe at a publishing company went I know some of those heroes are real, but what if we came up with fictitious ones? Well, okay. So the whole caveat of Marvel is that it's exactly like our universe, except this the Marvel happens. characters are real. Yeah. And like, yeah. I mean, if you want to like get into it, like those DC characters predate any of the character in the cinematic universe's stories besides Captain America yeah. by yeah. like 50 years. You could even but even then and like even based on like what we've been told in this movie, like Sprite could have gone to fucking action comics and like pitched the story just to fuck with Icarus. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I mean, if 
I, that would be amazing if that was the case. I yeah. guess. And I think the DC references might also just be like a kind of Easter egg of like, because Eternals is a Jack Kirby creation and he famously worked for both. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And like, I mean, and if they said like a, a new gods thing, nobody would understand what the reference was. Right. I mean, if they, if they went that deep on it, I'll, I accept. And I will <laughs> fold my time and cease to complain. But I don't think that they thought about it that much. <laughs> I think they did. I think they did. I, I think they probably had this conversation, too. They're like, should we make this joke? Um, and I think everyone in the room that didn't go probably not is wrong. Whether or not they did, there's going to be the thing they're like, Icarus is just a ripoff of Superman. Yeah, but nobody in the yeah. universe is going to be saying that except people that are watching the universe. So it doesn't really matter that people but say it, that. But, but a little you kid have Superman exists as a character in that universe. But a little kid would say that a little kid yeah. would say that's Superman. Not if Superman didn't exist as a character in the MCU. Yeah, but his culture. point of reference is like, oh, I like Superman. And he looks yeah. at Icarus and he goes, oh, my God, it's Superman. Yeah, like a real life Superman. Yeah. <laughs> We're way too deep on this. I just don't understand why they did that. And I think it's stupid as fuck. We basically touched on every character aside from uh, Kit Harrington's character. Mm. Also, I had no idea about any of these characters going into the film. OK. Uh, including this one. I liked that he was just a guy for the whole movie. <laughs> he was just a guy. Mm -hmm. Up until the post credits, which yeah, I also I, really liked. But yeah, yeah I, I really liked him throughout. I thought I mean, I think Kit Harrington's a really good actor anyway. So I thought he did a really good job with what he had here. And I do like that he is, stays a regular dude, as far as we know, for the entire film. Uh, but he was the only character I had a basic background on previous to going to see this. So he, he was the one character that I was like hoping for a little bit more or uh, inclinations of what he was going to become. And they gave us that he gets the ring with the family crest on it, which is obviously going to come back into play at some point soon, it seems. Um, but the, the post credit scene featured him uh, opening a case that contained the ebony blade. And <laughs> bringing this up just made me feel like an asshole for our whole previous conversation because uh, it brings up the fact that the Arthurian legends are real in this world. <laughs> <laughs> so maybe their fantasies are all real stories. <laughs> but uh, yeah, but I love that. And then you left out the most important part. That he hears a voice off screen, and it's our first hearing of uh, Mersh Samuel Lally. Jackson. No, <laughs> wait, what? <laughs> it's the other other black guy. So, so I I I didn't know who it was. It yeah, dawned on me either. walking out of the theater. I, I walked out of the theater, and I was just like, "Wow, it seems really weird to me to use both." credit sequences to introduce brand new characters and then not even show us one of them <laughs> but to just use his voice it all amounts to like not being worth much of anything because we know <laughs> that he's supposed to play blade but like it just like it seemed like really strange to 
to not show the guy that's talking or us not recognize the voice of the person that's talking like it's it doesn't necessarily mean anything because we don't even know who the fuck that is like i wouldn't have known if i didn't look it up mm-hmm. honestly mm-hmm. yeah that's i mean it's exciting i i really liked kit's performance in that scene that whole thing worked the sound that yeah. it made when he opened the the chest Mm-hmm. was really cool yeah uh it gave like this dark energy vibe and like i said i don't really know anything about black knight the character but it seems like magical and like i'm really intrigued mm-hmm. the way that marvel's utilized magic in the past something like medieval magic seems like really fun yeah mm-hmm. when you when you go look up that character just like the basic description of him you're gonna be like what the Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> I'm telling you, oh my God. it's crazy. I like that Kit Harrington. Like he got cast in this because he was Jon Snow, and like he's going to be a guy with a sword. But yeah. I like that he gets to play like such a different character, <laughs> yeah. but still be a guy with a sword. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then the other post-credit scene we got the first one. Harry Styles has now entered the arena. He's uh, he's Star Fox. Star Fox sixty four. First of all, he basically is a dead ringer for that character. Mm-hmm. Um, like the side by side is like that's impeccable. Like, that's impeccable casting. Even if he's like yeah. a dog shit actor, which he's not necessarily because he was in um, Dunkirk, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that was a Chloe Zhao decision. She was like, "I wanted him when I pitched this because okay. I guess she pitched that was part of her original pitch for this film was that to be." A setup for Star Fox. That's cool. And she was like, I want Harry Styles. <laughs> Even and the personality Harry's of those characters, I think, is he's I guess he's not a character. He's a person. But <laughs> <laughs> like the personality of the celebrity Harry Styles, I think, mm-hmm. matches up with the character of Star Fox. Definitely. I think everybody thought they were going to change Thanos's backstory, but it looks like they're going to acknowledge that he is actually an eternal yeah. and really expand that like eternal universe. I guess the biggest thing to come out of that, and it's something that we didn't necessarily mention, were their costumes, where everybody mm. had a very similar tunic-like thing on with the different spheres and whatnot. And then when you think back to Thanos's, it's kind of tunic-esque, where it has the same kind of shoulder deal, and then it comes down uh, thinner on the chest area. So it's not yeah. the, it's not exactly the same, but it's very similar. Um, so he could have altered it himself, you know, whatever, but like, it'll go to that point. I feel like. Yeah. And it's like a weird thing that I don't know if they'll like follow in the comics where like Thanos isn't a pure eternal. He's like a eternal that carries a deviant gene. Um, yeah, I remember I I read something about mm -hmm. that where he would have a deviant gene and it would become like an issue growing up for him. Mm hmm. Well, that's how he looks like a big purple thumb and everybody else looks human. Yeah. And there's a theory floating around that uh, the reason why Titan is destroyed is because it was a host planet for a celestial. Oh, shit. I mean, that would make sense. Nice. And so the reason why Thanos is trying to do the snap is to save the Earth from that happening. Because we'll the with, universe. Less, with less population, the celestials can't can't be born anymore. Be born. Right. Nice. And wow. even like when I was bringing up That's Ultron like a, in the beginning, I wonder if there's something within the stones that like wants to fight the Celestials as well. 
that's like a really great job of some backdoor writing on that one. Yeah, yeah. right. <laughs> if, if that's the case, yeah. <laughs> if they follow through with that, that's a a work of fucking pure logistical magic of having that actually stick the landing because that's <laughs> purely by accident. It fucking worked out perfectly. So, <laughs> God. And there's that line in Infinity War when Iron Man scans the planet and he says it looks like it's off its axis. What the oh, fuck? Man. What the fuck? <laughs> Jesus yeah. Christ, dude. Oh my god. So oh. that's what's going to happen to the earth now, right? Because maybe the I, celestials kind of like hanging out halfway. <laughs> Dude, Ajax says she says that the snap delayed the emergence. Mm. But then and they brought everybody back and made it happen again. <laughs> yeah. And that was Ajax's like reason she changed her mind. Mm. Right. Like the like intense relief she felt when like that immense tragedy happened, but she knew that it would delay, I guess not more massive in the grand scheme, but like for Earth, just like a more, like a total tragedy. That's crazy. Mm. We uncovered some shit here today, fellas. <laughs> yeah. So now so now with that in hindsight, do you think that this will increase the rewatchability and enjoyment level of this film for you? I think that that remains to be seen depending on what how many reverberations come out of this the way they're um, marketing it with this will change everything like if yeah. it doesn't have yeah, huge reverberations say anything it doesn't matter because <laughs> yeah. nobody remembers what the fucking tagline is yeah but forward. there's a giant fucking celestial no, no, no. hanging I'm, out of the I'm ocean saying, now. <laughs> no no i'm saying i'm just saying like if this does what it seems to intend to do going forward this mm -hmm. becomes like civil war initially it didn't seem like it mattered much but like everything keeps going back to <laughs> things that happened in that that and age of ultron where age of ultron became super super fucking important it just took i think 10 more movies that came out after <laughs> it and a couple of tv shows to be like holy shit age of ultron was like massive in the mcu um, it had a little bit itself of a resurgence because of WandaVision and people thinking, understanding now how much it actually meant in the overall scheme of things. So hopefully that happens to this and it yeah. becomes more enriching to watch once you get properties in the future. Like if you come back in like three years after seeing a couple of movies that have really expanded on the ideas here and then you rewatch this, you're like, oh my God, they were setting up so much shit. I hope that that happens. And yeah. the MCU is typically able to do that. I just named two other ones that that happened to. So hopefully. I think the MCU lately has really been drawing off of Hickman's run on Avengers and his big events. Mm -hmm. which I could see something like Infinity or that era when the Avengers were creating Avengers worlds and like they stood their ground against Thanos and an onslaught of like basically like godlike beings. And then they fought a war across space and led all these other advanced civilizations to victory. I could see something akin to that happening with the new lineup. Yeah, especially because... Captain Marvel is like always off world helping other people. Right. And then with all the multiverse stuff happening, I don't yeah. see how this isn't building to Secret Wars someday. Um, 
<laughs> the Star Fox stuff makes me think maybe like Annihilation might be a thing. I mean, there's so many cosmic stories that it seems like they're taking two, I guess, three paths where like they're like really building a lot of cosmic Marvel stuff. They're mm-hmm. building a lot of magic Marvel stuff. And then now they're doing mm-hmm. multiverse stuff. And it's all going a little haywire. But like, um, so this movie is such like a pulled out view of what we've seen so far. Yeah. And like, so say the Disney Plus stuff is like the the street level that's like as close mm. to the the actual action that we're getting. Yeah. So like this movie expanded the MCU in such a expansive way yeah. to me that it like it's fascinating. Like you said, down the road when we get two, three, four of these films where we get payoffs to or like even explanations of like I want to see in Eternals 2 where we get more of their flashback stuff Mm. because with them interacting with history and being there for like big events I love that shit so like give me more of that uh, and less of whatever Bill Skarsgård's thing (laughs) was it so Um, didn't matter at the end (laughs) But yeah, like I'm hoping I'm hoping that the more that we get from this movie, the more important that this this movie will hold. Mm -hmm. I wonder if they find the World Forge and if that's a way to resurrect anybody. And I also wonder if like they could resurrect Thanos that way, Um, because it, it might come down to that's the most some of the most interesting stories like Annihilation Conquest is when. Thanos is like their reluctant ally. It's like mm. everybody in the room fucking hates you, but you're the <laughs> only one who can help us right now. Yeah. But overall, I enjoyed Eternals. I don't necessarily know if I'll include it in an MCU rewatch like every single time. I think I'll rewatch the movie. Um, and I just hope that it means more in the future when they start paying off more of those things. I think it had really cool elements. I think it had uh, some strong performances, some not so strong performances. Mm -hmm. The way that the story structure flowed didn't really work for me. But what are you going to do when you have 10 characters that you need to introduce and an entire world to build and establish? Well, here's Uh, what you do. You make them all line up and you pull that camera the fuck out. Well, and I guess that's it. Uh, any fi- any other final thoughts, guys, on Eternals? No, I agree with you. I, I liked it, and I liked more of it than I didn't like. Some of it bothered me, and some of it was, like, really entertaining and really interesting. I'm excited to see the characters that survive move forward. <laughs> um, uh, some of the ones that died I was kind of sad about, to be honest, because they were, like, interesting I thought it was good as far as like an MCU rewatch is concerned. I don't know that I other than like for my son to see this, I don't know that I'm ever going to start at Iron Man and walk all the way through all these movies ever again. Um, I rewatched the ones that now they've become like comfort watches for me, except for Winter Soldier, because that's my favorite and I don't want to sully it in my brain. I only ever want to watch it a few times. (laughs) Um, (laughs) 
I don't want to get so familiar with it that I could recite the dialogue because I love that movie so much that I want to be surprised every time I watch it. Um, <laughs> I love this movie too much to watch it. Yes. Robert, Robert, spoiler, it's Bucky. Fuck. The Winter Soldier's Bucky. But he's dead. Uh, <laughs> we saw him fall off the train, Jordan. <laughs> Uh, no, but yeah, so this, so this is good. I mean, I'm definitely going to wind up rewatching this when it becomes available on Disney Plus. And then, you know, a second watch of it obviously will fill in blanks and cracks and stuff like that from what I remember of the information that they gave. I don't know that I necessarily liked having this movie as the palate cleanser for Dune for me because... <laughs> I felt that there were some similar aspects and the things that were similar about the two of them were things that I did not like about either. So uh, <laughs> this to me was not a good chaser for Dune at all. I don't recommend watching them back to back or even a couple of weeks apart. Really give yourself a lot of shit in between the two of them, I feel like personally. Joe, what were your <laughs> final I really enjoyed Internals. Um, I was very interested by the things it brought forward. I really loved all the characters, and I liked that every character had their moment. I, it wasn't without its faults. You know, the climax of the Deviants, um, the underuse of Makari. Um, but overall, I really had a good time. I enjoyed the filmmaking and the story that I got to see. And I laughed my ass off when I saw Pip the Troll roll out of the shadows. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's a good one for me. I, like, I'm not really one to rewatch. Mm. I don't think I'll ever, like, yeah, as he said, I'll never rewatch the entire run <laughs> ever. Is, it seems like it's impossible. I'll, I'm going to do it, it one day. I'm going to do it, but if I don't know when. If I'm a bedridden old man, yeah. I'll do it, and then Put like, on my Iron Man. I'll get to like the post credits of whatever the like 60th movie is and i'll go <laughs> and that'll be it joe's grandson has to grab a blu-ray player and go <laughs> <laughs> i know i'll be in, in my disc i'll be in the disney hospital where they play it all the time um <laughs> they have they'll have an iron dream. man nurse my son in. will be weeping because he'll be the one to inherit all my debt I liked Eternals is what I'm getting at. <laughs> Fuck. Isn't it great that in the MCU, global warming is part of our larger God's grand scheme to end our existence? So keep on burning those fossil fuels. So anyway, uh, let us know what you guys thought about Eternals. Did you like it? Did you not enjoy it? Do you think it's one of the better MCU movies? Are you excited about the large, encompassing story that they're starting to unfold a little bit more? Uh, hit us up on social media at PopCanon. Don't forget the K. It's what makes us special. And if you'd like, you could subscribe to us here on YouTube where you're looking at our beautiful faces. Um, just hit that subscription button and possibly the notification bell. It'll just let you know when we upload new episodes if you're not already paying attention. And you could subscribe to us on your favorite podcast platform by searching Pop Cannon. Uh, you can also follow us individually. Um, I am on Twitter and Instagram at Joe for Broke. 
I am on Twitter and Instagram at Yesball. And I am on Twitter and Instagram at JL24FPS. So thank you very much for watching and or listening. Stick around. Make sure you're subscribed so you never miss an episode. For Pop Cannon, my name is Jordan. I'm Robert. I am Tiamat. <laughs> and we will see you on the very next episode. R.I.P. Tiamat. <laughs>